Good morning, church. How are you guys at the lake doing? All right. <laughs> Y'all aren't there. Sorry. Sorry for you guys. Um, hey, in case you see this big red thing on my forehead, it's not as it, you know, like normally happens when you go to school dance, you know? Remember that? You get your date and all of a sudden, pfft, this is actually poison ivy. How I got it on my forehead, I can't really tell you. I think it was weed eating, but hey, sorry to give you a visual offense this morning. You guys, if you would open your Bibles, we are in Ephesians 5. We're doing a sermon series. And, um, and there's, there's part of this lesson that's a little tender to little ears, talking when we talk about sexual immorality. And so I'm not going to dodge it because I, we, don't, we don't dodge scriptures in our church. And I will try to talk in a way that kind of they hear but don't hear. But still, when we get to that part, if you're concerned about your little ears, walk them out the room and then bring them back, okay? So uh, my dad was a very creative, creative guy. He, he was uh, in advertising. He was part of the Virginia's for Lovers. He, uh, he had the largest recording studio south of New York City about 1968 to 1972. He had a little session guitar player you may have heard of, a guy from New Jersey, a guy named Bruce Springsteen. Before he got famous, worked for my dad in Richmond, Pat Benatar, uh, Robin Thompson, on and on and on. But one of the things I love about my dad was none of that. Uh, one of the great memories I have from my dad when we were little is that he could imitate characters so well, whether they're like cartoon characters or, or John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, whoever. We'd go through the toll booth. My dad would make faces and then do the voice of Bobby Kennedy. It was just hilarious to a six-year-old or seven-year-old. I'm curious, does anybody here have a great, uh, what do you call it, like a, you can imitate somebody really well? Anybody here have one you could do? Over oh, live. How about you at home? Anybody got a great imitation? Any Frank Colliendas here? Um, how about this one? Let me give you a few. I'm not my dad, so roll with it. How about uh, who would this be? Hey, 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 hey! How about you, Bedumba? Yes, everybody over fifty goes. Yes, that's Fat Albert. That's great. Good for you. Okay, for you over fifty. Here's another one. Three Stooges, yes, of course, that is great. Okay, this is rare, so if you don't know bluegrass, this is going to totally go over your head or your bald head in the case of some of you. Um, <laughs> all right, who's this? Well, all right. His eyebrows going up, all right. That's Del McCurry. Del McCurry, look him up, all right. How about another one? How about this one? Chief Max. Is Agent 99 there? Chief Max. That's Maxwell Smart, of course. How about, uh, how about this one? And Tim, I should probably cover my mouth as well when I sing. How about, uh, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. Bob Dylan. So we could go on and on, right? How about this one? One more. Uh, hey, you Fred? Hey, you Fred? Barney, Barney right. Right, so what have we been doing? We've been imitating, very poorly, but we've been imitating characters, and you could do some as well. Maybe when you go home, you could do some characters and see if your family and friends could pick them up. In this passage that we're going to read in Ephesians 5, he tells us to be imitators. But strangely enough, he calls us to be imitators of God. That's, that's a tough assignment. You know, when the, the Bible says, be holy as I am holy, be perfect as I am perfect, he wants us to be conformed into the full measure and stature of Jesus. 
But here as we open Ephesians 5, it says, Therefore, therefore be imitators of God and his beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And I actually love this word. The first word of this passage is what? Of chapter 5. What's the first word? I know the carbon dioxide is overtaking you in your mask, but just look down. The first word is? Therefore. And so when you get to, yeah, we're all right here. We're all winners. Everybody gets a trophy. So when you see the word therefore, there, so it says, therefore be imitators of God. So an inquiring mind would automatically go, hmm, the word therefore is kind of like a hinge and it points back to something. In other words, in light of what we've just learned, right, in light of what we've just learned, therefore, in light of what we've just learned, or consequently, this is what's going to be happening. So when you see the word therefore, you have to go back and go, what are we connecting to? Therefore what? Well, fortunately, it's right there in Ephesians 4, so you don't have to run far. What truth or truths had God just given the Ephesians? Before he tells them to be imitators of God and to walk in love, there is a truth. And if you don't grab that truth, you're going to be thrown into a world of, of, of trying to be, uh, do good works, but you'll never measure up. And so what is it, what truth, what reality has God just said in Ephesians chapter 4? What do you guys see? Oh, shucks, it's in my notes. Hey, let's just look in the scriptures. Okay, so... Right before in Ephesians 4, it says, uh, in verse 30, it says, You have been sealed for the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. God has taken all those who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, who are disciples. God has done this thing. He has sent his Spirit, and he actually says, It's better for you that I go back to the Father, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who can be with you always all the time, anywhere you are. And so the first truth is that God is, he has sealed his children for that day, for that day of redemption. So you don't have to wake up every day going, am I his kid or not? I remember one time I had to say, Fleet, you don't have to wake up every day and ask me if you're a Lawrence. You are a Lawrence. It's done. It's finished. That's who you are. You're a Lawrence. Or I remember, I think I'm going to embarrass my friend Kane Fetzer because he's not here today. But I love the way the Fetzers train their children. And it's something like this. They go, my name is Kanan Fetzer. I'm the son of Andy Fetzer and Becky Fetzer. My grandparents, I'm the grandson of da-da-da-da-da. And he says all the relatives, and he goes, and I am a child of God. And so his identity was not simply in being Cain Fetzer, but it was in the lineage that he had come from. But ultimately, his identity is being a child of God. And so we see in Ephesians 4, that God has done this amazing thing. He, he sealed Christians with the Holy Spirit for that day, the day of redemption. But he's also done something else. Look in verse 32. It's really hot in here, and I've got a jacket on, so please look fast. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and, and, and then the next phrase, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so the, the truths that I want you to grasp that point to the therefore. One is that if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, you've been sealed by God the Holy Spirit for that day of redemption. It's finished, it's done, it's complete. 
He's done this thing in you and for you by his grace. But not only has he given you the Holy Spirit, he's also forgiven you. And it's only in light of, of those two truths that we could begin to do anything. It's like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, by grace you're saved through faith. And this not of yourself. It's the gift of God. But then in, in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, it says, but God, we are his workmanship and we are created in Christ Jesus to walk in good works. And so because of what God has done, it's by grace through faith. Then once we become a child, then we want to serve the Lord. We want to walk in those good works. And so as we go to Ephesians 5, and it says, therefore, you remember, you'll always remember this from now on. When you see therefore, it's like a hinge. It points back to something. And you now know what it points back to. God's work in you, for you, sealing you with the Spirit, choosing you, forgiving you, putting his son to death on your account. And in light of that outrageous, actually outrageous thing, who would do this? What kind of God would do this? All the other gods, the gods of Molech, tell you to sacrifice your children in the fire. Go and read the Old Testament. You'll see even the kings of Israel sacrifice their own children in the fire. But in light of all that God's done, the outrageous love and mercy that he's poured on us, it says, therefore, now, now that you know the truth of what God's done, now I want you to live into your inheritance. I want you to live in your identity. And specifically, he says, I want you to do what? Look down there. What does it say? I want you to be imitators of God. And again, the Lord knows, like, there's no way we're going to be just like God. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be sinless. There are too many other scriptures that would say, if we, if we say we don't sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But still the bullseye's there. The bullseye's there. And the bullseye is that we're called to be conformed into the, the image of Jesus. God is, God is doing a work. He's counted you righteous. And now from the time he counts you righteous to the time you go to be with the Lord, he's, he's working sanctification in you. He's, he's working to make you look more like himself. Right? to bring up the spirit and do away with the things of the flesh, as in Galatians 5. And he says, therefore, be imitators of God and as beloved children. You know, I remember Annette and I went to see uh, Mylon Lefebvre, big old redneck from Mississippi, he's about 6'3", you know, and he's kind of guy you never thought would come to Jesus. And I remember when we were in the Richmond Coliseum, he said, turn the lights down. He says, beloved. And he didn't say anything. He said, beloved. This is who you are in Christ. You are beloved of God. And automatically right now, Satan's talking to you. No, you're not. No, you're not. Silence. Satan, that thought is not of the Lord. That thought is not of the Lord. We're taking that thought captive. The reality is not what you feel this moment or when Satan comes to accuse. No, Satan's a liar. May the archangel, uh, as the archangel said, may the, may the Lord himself uh, deal with you. And yet we're called as beloved children. Do you know your inheritance? Before you're called to do anything, to walk in anything, to imitate anyone, do you know your inheritance? Do you know that you've been sealed? Do you know that Christ is 
gave his life so that you could become a son or daughter. And he says, therefore, as beloved children, do you feel like a beloved child? See, I, I actually think that most of us don't feel like a beloved child. You know, when Camp and Roe and Emmy and Sage and now her little preciousness, Mary Mack, when they come to the house, they, they don't have to earn anything. I just want them to jump up in my lap and I want to love them and let them be loved by me. They are beloved of their grandfather and beloved of their grandmother. And, and, and they don't have to earn it. They, they have it. They have it. And so as we begin to understand what God sees, the truth, it's not what we think, it's not what we feel, it's not the lies Satan may put in our head, but God says, if you're mine, you are my beloved. You're my beloved. And he says, I want you to walk in love. And what would it mean to walk in love? Everybody says, I love, I love, I love. I love quiche, I love coffee, I love hunting, I love, there's pretty mountains out there. I love my friends on uh, Facebook Live. Thank you. But when the Bible says to walk in love, what does that actually look like? This morning, what would that look like for you to, to begin as an imitator of God, who's one whose identity is secure in Christ, who has the Holy Spirit? What would it look like for you and me to begin to walk in love? Well, fortunately, Ephesians tells us, and it's not exhaustive, but it's still great. Walk in love as Christ loved us. You know, a lot of parents say, do as I do as I say, and not as I do. You know what our God says? He says, do what you see me do. Do what you've seen me do first. The Bible says he's, he signed it, this letter, this covenant. He signed it in his own blood. He, he, he gave up his life. He humbled himself even uh, to death, death on the cross. He was obedient and so the Lord's not saying, hey, do this thing that I myself not doing. No, he goes, if you're going to imitate me, he goes, follow me. Learn from me. Come to me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, walk in love as Christ loved us, and he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Now, this is where little tender ears might need to be stuffed with cotton. But you know what, friends? I, I, I grew up in a denomination, and we had a lectionary. And I know that's church talk, and that's kind of boring for some people, but a lectionary is just where they take the Bible, and they divide it so in three years of Sundays. In other words, if you came to church every Sunday for three years, you would hear essentially the entire Bible read in church. They normally would have four lessons, but you'd hear the entire Bible. But you know what I found out when I went to seminary? There would be passages assigned, and they would drop verses. Now, why do you suppose that the people that made up the lectionary in the Episcopal Church or maybe in other churches, why would they say you're going to read through the Bible in three years and give you all the passages, yet when you come to certain passages, they remove those verses? They were hard sayings. They were hard sayings that were convicting it maybe made people feel uncomfortable. And so rather than deal, rather than in grace and love, standing under the word of God and going, okay, God, I'm sure I don't measure up in a hundred ways, but I'm not going to change the bullseye. I'm not going to say, did God really say? No, God's word is true. It's truth. It's a light and a lamp, and it's, 
It's, it's not burdensome. Scripture says this of itself. It's not burdensome. It's our very life. And so one of the ways that we imitate God, one of the ways as beloved children that we walk in love is that we grab hold of and we do not change God's plan for sexual intimacy. Now, as I go here, I'm thinking of about 50 Instagrams I saw in the last two weeks. And I realize that if I say anything about sexual immorality, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, there are going to be people that are going to grind their teeth. There are people that are going to say, that book, you just worship the book. I saw that yesterday. You guys just worship this toxic book. Well, you're entitled to your opinion, sir. But Jesus said every word, every word, right? Timothy says it, every word. It's true. It's light. It's a lamp. Its commands are not burdensome. I tell you what's burdensome. What's burdensome? What's burdensome is when you do whatever the heck you want to do. It's so fun at first. It's so fun. Could you testify? How many of you guys went to college? Unless you went to BYU or Christian University, you probably sinned a lot in college. Maybe you were unlike me. Maybe you jumped into IV or crusade right away, and you're just sat at the foot of the cross. But for a lot of us, you know what we did? We lived as if there was no God. Our God was our own appetite. And so the Lord says, if you want to you walk in love, you want to be my kids, I want you to hold my sexual ethic, not yours, not the world's. The one I give you may seem constraining, the one I give you. But I'll tell you what's constraining is when you do whatever your little heart desires and you end up piercing yourself with many griefs of shame and condemnation. I know because I did it. I know because I did it. This thing that was such freedom. Oh, we're free. No rules. Everybody does what seems right in their own eyes. There's no king in Israel. That's, that's, the, that's a mantra for college. There's no king in Israel, so every man does what's right in their own eyes. And God says, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. Sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness. Do you know why preachers hate to preach on this verse? Two reasons, two reasons. One, people grind your teeth and you won't be asked to the country club. But probably even harder than that, what would be the second reason preachers don't like to preach on this verse? The only ones God has to sit behind a pulpit are human beings. And all human beings miss the mark we sin. There's not a preacher I know. I don't even know, even the, the godly old Methodist pastor, evangelist type, the most godly pastor, who could say by Jesus' standards, that at some point they haven't, if they haven't done sexual immorality, they've at least thought it. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, if you have lust for a woman, even in your mind, you've committed adultery. And so God says, the freedom I'm going to give you is to put up an electric fence and say, don't go to that place. That's a place of pain. And, and what about the other people? See, it's not just about you. What about the other person and your freedom to express yourself, express yourself, to express yourself sexually? What you're doing is you're doing that to another daughter or son of God. And God says, my kids will walk in love. Walking in love is limiting, controlling your little self 
and limiting that powerful, beautiful, amazing intimacy of sex inside the safety and the covenant of marriage. Sexual morality, purity, and covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among the saints. Okay, so sex, right? We talked about sex. Can I just say one thing? I think, uh, is it Philippians? I forgot the verse. Anyway, there's one verse that says, their glory is their shame. Their glory is their shame. You know, I'll point a finger at myself first, and then you can point it at yourself if you want to. Uh, in my fraternity days, we gloried in our immorality. We thought it was funny. We thought it made us cool. And we were fools. We were fools. It's not cool. It's not good. We were hurting people. We were hurting people made in Imago Day, the image of God. We were not walking in love. We were walking in lust. And the God, God calls us away from that. And so when I see on Instagram, I see Christian people. If you're not Christians, the Bible says don't even judge them. So if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, the Bible says, the Lord says, I cannot judge you. I cannot. I do not have the right. It says let judgment begin with the household of God. But if you're a brother or a sister, what the Lord is saying is you must not walk in sexual immorality. You certainly don't celebrate it. I see people on Instagram like, what are you thinking? Why are you celebrating it? Their pride is their shame. Their glory is their shame. Their God is their appetite. And I understand it because I lived there once and even as a Christian now. There are days where I want to step back into Egypt. How about you? But God says, no, you're my kids. You're going to walk in love. And it's easy to talk about sex, but how about verse 4? Let's go there. We're almost done, so we got to go fast. It says, um, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. You know what? If I were Thomas Jefferson and had a pair of scissors, I'd probably have to cut that one out of my Bible. But I'm not Thomas Jefferson, and I don't have a pair of scissors, and I'm not going to cut it out of my Bible. Do you know why I want to cut it out of my Bible? Because I have made a long history of, excuse my French, you know, a lot of good old southern boys, they like to talk boy talk, which is just another way of saying we talk in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord, right? And a lot of times it plays out like this, excuse my French. What the heck does that mean? Excuse my French. Excuse my French is a way to say, yeah, I know what God says about pure talk, but I'm going to do what I want to do because we're good old boys and we're having fun. It's kind of like when you say bless your heart and then you begin to gossip. And so the Lord says, I'm not only concerned about sexual purity, I'm also concerned about the way your mouth is used. Is it a fountain for clean water and blessing or is it a fountain for dirty water, condemnation, judgment, coarse talk? The Bible says you shouldn't have both fresh and, and, and dirty water coming out of the same fountain. It says, so one of the ways you walk in love is that you surrender your tongue and your speech to the Lord. And that means no matter how I was brought up or you were brought up, that the Lord has to become Lord not only of our sexual uh, activity, but also of the way we speak. See, it's really easy to, to, to point to sexual stuff, but what about the way you use your tongue? Is it used... You know, how big a fire is set ablaze by, by one match? It's an unruly member who can tame it, and yet the Lord has said to bring your tongue under the lordship of Christ. And so maybe in this time where we're beginning to take stock and ask hard questions and ask the Lord to search us and try us, 
certainly with the way uh, we view our brothers and sisters of color. We're also asking the Lord, would you search me and try me? Lord, I'm not going into legalism. God forbid that we go to legalism. But you don't have to go to legalism to bring your tongue and your body under the lordship of Christ because you're walking in love, because the way that you act sexually and the way that you talk with your mouth directly affects people. It directly affects people for whom Christ died. And then it ends, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon you, upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You know, if you read 1 Corinthians, we'll close here. If you read 1 Corinthians, it says, in the early church, do you know who it was made up of? Who was made up in the early church? What type of people? Well, Corinthians says, eh, not many of noble birth. So most of the people that came to the church were just kind of regular folk. Nobody fancy. Most of them. But also there were idolaters, there were schemers, swindlers, homosexuals, and about five other varieties of sin are missing the mark. And the Bible recounts about the people in the church, and he says, and such were some of you. And so we know that Jesus, he says, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. It's not those who are well that need a physician, but those who are sick. And I came to to rescue and to save. I did not come to condemn, but to save those who are sick that are in need of a physician. And so Jesus makes it very clear who was in the early church. All these people who struggled with all these same things you and I have struggled with. And the Bible says, but you were washed. And what I want to tell you is you may fall Five times, you may fall 10 times, you may fall 100 times, you may fall 10,000 times. But because we are walking in the light, because of what God has done for us, we remember our identity. Your identity is not white nor black, it's not Anglican, Presbyterian, Methodist, Catholic, it's not American or other. Your identity, your primary identity is what? Child of God. Child of God. And we are to walk and surrender the way we act, and the way we speak under the lordship of Christ, knowing that his commands are not burdensome. What's burdensome, what wraps around your neck and strangles you, is doing your own thing, which seems to be uh, amazing freedom until it's not. Be imitators of God, therefore, as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Walk in love as Christ loved us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.